Plugged In. Your boy is back and your boy is better, as well as Nick Gray. This is Plugged In, a Nashville soccer podcast, season two. We are back. Nick Hills, you ready yes. to go? Yes, you are. I see you are excited, Nick, in your, your Nashville Sounds hat. We're ready to go talk some Nashville SC sophomore season of Major League Soccer 2021 couple of days going into the opener against FC Cincinnati at Nissan Stadium, 7.30 Central Time kickoff. It's going to get busy very quick. We've had a long layoff. We are recording this on a Wednesday, April 14th, which usually is probably what, shall we say, six weeks into the season normally? Somewhere four around five there. games, four or five yeah, games, yeah. four to five matches going into the season. But of course, with the long layoff due to the CBA negotiations, which lasted well into February and even into March. Preseason started at the beginning of March. And of course, April 16th is the official begin of the 2021 season. Nashville will play on that Saturday, which is April 17th. And then, of course, because of the pandemic, things have been very slow. And of, as far as Nashville SC is concerned, five matches that were supposed to be played very, very slow. Three of them were axed due to public health concerns, as well as a sixth match that was put in place to make up for those three matches. And Birmingham Legion FC got a flat tire before they even crossed the Nashville, Tennessee, hey. or the Tennessee State border. So it's pretty. It's, it's pretty slow. It's pretty slow preseason so far, Nick. Hey, state of Alabama, fix your potholes, man. Fix your potholes. Yeah, Birmingham Legion, they were supposed to play. They were supposed to play Nashville SC April 10th. That would have been the makeup due to New York Red Bulls, New York City FC, and Inter Miami unable to play Nashville potholes. in Brayton, Florida at IMG Academy in the month over. of March um, because of a match referee on March 23rd who caught the coronavirus, who received a positive test for the coronavirus. That was on March 23rd. Nashville was supposed to play New York on the 27th due to such concerns with Nashville and with New York City FC. They decided not to play that game. And then, of course, due to issues with Inter-Miami, Nashville could not play that match because of, because of Miami's situation. And, in fact, Miami canceled that entire trip after that. And so Nashville went to Bradenton, did not play a match, even though they were there for some two to three weeks. They returned to Nashville. They cannot even play a game there. So the only two matches that they played were March 20th against Louisville City, and then, of course, March 31st against Tampa Bay Rowdies. And so you leave the 2021 preseason without playing an MLS opponent, and now you are going up against FC Cincinnati April 17th. Which the main some, question, some people would question. Some main, people would question yes, whether or indeed. not that's an MLS opponent. Indeed, indeed. And yes, Nash and, and FC, FC Cincinnati, they also had some issues. They did not play Louisville City a second time after they lost to Louisville in early March. 3 What was that scoreline? 3 0. 3 0. They were supposed to not play good. Louisville at the end of March, but because of a lack of vaccinations, reportedly, according to the Cincinnati Inquirer, they were not able to play that match. So they also had an, uh, a friendly X, but they were able to play Minnesota United. They were able to play Chicago Fire. Uh, they did lose the Pittsburgh Riverhounds at the end of the preseason. 
And so they've had some losses. They've had some losses against some USL teams. They've had some losses against uh, some some MLS teams. They did beat Indy 11, uh, reportedly. They actually technically did not finish that match, though. They were winning 1-0 against Indy 11. And due to inclement weather, FC Cincinnati was not able to finish that match. But let's talk about April 17th. Nashville SC, FC Cincinnati at Nissan Stadium. These are two teams that have obviously have some history in USL, but with this team, there's there's some changes on the FC Cincinnati side. They're the they're by far the worst performing team in MLS record wise. They're going into this match having paid a club record fee for Brenner, who is a Brazilian striker center forward out of Sao Paulo FC, who they signed in the offseason. They also interesting. Twenty one years old. Twenty one years old. He he's a DP. He's a club record signing, as I said. They also have Calvin Harris, who they drafted um, out of the uh, the Super Draft this past year. He is highly tutored as the best number nine in the two thousand twenty one Super highly Draft. What? Highly, highly what? Tuted. Tuted? Highly, highly tuted. Highly tuted. Highly touted. Highly touted. Highly tuted. It doesn't matter. The point is that FC Cincinnati is betting on actually scoring some goals this year, 19 goals, I believe, in 2020. And they also traded Frankie Amaya, their, their number one pick of the, in the 2020 Super, or excuse me, the 2019 Super Draft. So FC Cincinnati comes into Nashville. Their problems is that they are probably one of the worst goal-scoring teams in MLS, if not the worst. But let's talk about Nashville here, okay? You've only played twice in preseason. Jandra Cadiz and Daniel Rios have not played at all in the preseason. CJ Sapong is probably the guy at the number nine position who Nashville City acquired in the offseason from Chicago Fire, uh, 10 plus year veteran in MLS. He's played the most out of all of all four, and the fourth being Dominic Baji, who, according to Social media, as we were not able to have any broadcast of preseason matches for National City, only played the middle 30-minute window against Louisville City. He did not play against Tampa Bay Rowdies, or at least not significantly. So CJ Sepong is 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 the guy, right? So far that we know has played significantly. National started Luke Hawkinson in the number nine spot against T- Tampa Bay. And we're we're unsure about. Some of the some of the other guys who who are competing, of course, Abu Danladi is still technically a number nine, but has been playing as a winger. You've got four guys now, and we still do not know who is your starting number nine for Nashville SC. Is that a problem to you, Nick Gray, going into this matchup? Maybe not specifically to this matchup, especially if you have CJ Sapong to be a guy that can can give you a good seventy five minute shift. Now, where it does become a problem is, say, it's 1-1 going, you know, you're in the 75th minute, it's 1-1, and you're not quite sure what your bench options look like. I mean, I'm sure we'll know by the time we get to whenever the lineups are released on Saturday what that might look like, but you're still, at this moment in time, there's really no, like, there's not a logical way of thinking about if C.J. Sapong can't go the full 90, how that all works. So it's going to be him. And I assume it's going to be some combination of Ronda Leal and Alex Mule or I, 
who knows who could be out wide. Who else would be out wide there? Well, I think I think the rest of the starting eleven is is pretty set in stone, it's and it has fair. been. So, so you've got CJ CJ Sapong. The way he has with the way you set up his, you know, the way he runs the front line. That's going to be interesting to me. I, I again, it's an unknown. Um, we haven't seen it before. I can tell you that you know he's done. He he has a scoring record. He has produced double digit scoring seasons before, but it's been recently teams that have not been successful. So you got to think that a man like CJ Sapong, who's a big, who's a veteran of this league is going to really want to put his best foot forward, knowing what this team did last year. It's going to be very important for him to be a leader here and to produce. And, you know, it's kind of the thing. Nashville SC needs his scoring. He needs to get back onto a team as a successful team that can contend for an MLS Cup. Maybe those two got maybe those two things can can coalesce and it can be a fruitful partnership. Yeah, so Sapong, 32 years old, right? He's won MLS Cup and US Open Cup with Sporting Kansas City. And you mentioned his multi-goal season. So that is 2017 and 2019. 16 goals in 2017. In 30 matches started out of 33 played. And then, of course, he scored 13 goals in 29 games started out of 32. So he was he had he battled some injuries last year with Chicago. He only played 11 um, out of the 23 regular season matches for Chicago and scored two goals. So I think this is a new chapter for for CJ. And of course, um, you know, we, we were talking about the lineup here. It's very clear that Rodrigo Pinheiro, the guy, the, the young Uruguayan, 21-year-old, coming from his home country, he's played for Uruguay at the youth international level. He hasn't made his, that jump yet to the senior national team. But he, I think, is, still is expected to eventually surpass Alex Mouille. And I think what Nashville has, he signed him for that because of his Liken play to what Randall Leal does. But Gary Smith said in preseason that Pinheiro is a guy who is probably the most direct player that Nashville C has. And, and they, they needed that. And they, they need, really that. need that. And they, and yeah. they need that. And I think uh, for, for, for Rodrigo, he's still, again, he's young. He's coming into MLS um, without any U.S. experience, without any international experience. We're likely going to see the, the window of adjustment with Rodrigo, as we saw with Randall, right? He scored that goal in late August against Orlando City. I think it was a 3-1 loss, um, August 26th. And it was still some adjustment, some adjustments there for Randall during that late summer period in September. But then, of course, with the rest of the team, Randall took off in October. And he has been pretty much one of their best performers ever since. I think we're going to see that with with Rodrigo. Now let's, you know, let's talk about the window here. So when, when MLS restarted, at least when Nashville C restarted in late in mid August, it pretty much took two months for Randall to really catch on. So we're thinking for Rodrigo, we're thinking around that June spot and, and we're, we'll get to the, the season schedule later and looking at Nashville C's um, fixtures and how, you know, what that looks like. But, you know, when you're talking about playing Toronto FC at home, Montreal at home to end the month of June, I think that's the timetable that you would hope that Rodrigo can have 
goals, assists, uh, chance creation, goal scoring creation, link up play with Jean Cadiz, with Hani Mukhtar, with and whoever's starting in the number nine spot and whoever's um, filling in for Hani Mukhtar in that number 10 spot. So, and I think that's the timetable for him. But again, it's still Alex Muyo at right wing. It's still Randall Leal at left. At the number 10 spot, it's still Mukhtar. Behind him, it's still Dax McCarty and Abal Godoy. And then across the back line, you have Dan Lovitz, Dave Romney, Zimmerman, obviously, and then Alistair Johnson at right back. But let, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question about the number nine spot and, and really the forwards all together. Um, do you think that the signing of CJ Sepong gives you any indication about what they will do with Yonder Cadiz in the summer? No, because it's to me, it is a inevitable signing because you need that depth still, right? What happened when when Daniel Rios was was struggling? He had some fitness issues. He was trying to get back to that that groin and that hamstring, those groin and hamstrings problems um, in late September and throughout the month of October. Without him, and with Jonder still trying to get fully fit, you had and without Dominic Baji as well, you had to lean on Abu Dunladi and you had to lean on Randall Leal sometimes. Even Derek Jones, who's now with Houston Dynamo now. So I think they needed CJ regardless of what happens with Jonder at the end of his loan spell, which is this summer, July, when the transfer window opens. If Jonder leaves, of course it's going to look like, wow, we definitely needed CJ. But even if Jonder stays, I still think it is necessary for CJ to be there because we still haven't seen Dominique Baji put together a legit, you know, hardcore performance. Obviously, we saw him score against Atlanta in that 4-2 win back at last September. But other than that, we haven't seen Dominique Baji be the guy who's even at Colorado Rapids, Dominique Baji, or even, you know, FC Dallas, you know, 2018, uh, Dominique Baji. So I think when you look at the four-man striker roster of Nashville SC with Rios, Baji, Sapong, and Cadiz. You need at least three of those to have a legit good season. So if Cadiz leaves, it's going to do well, right? It's going to do well. Um, I think there's going to be a lot more goals, right? So I think there's, when we're talking about just 24 goals in regular season last year, I think that's going to take an uptick. I'm not going to say 30 or over, but I definitely think they score closer to that than, than they did last year. Um, now, going back to this matchup with FC Cincinnati, to correct myself, I said 20 goals last year in 2020. They actually had a terrible 12-goal output in the regular season last year. 12 goals in 2020 for FC Cincinnati. Just not good. And not good. Not and, good. And to be fair, you're in Locadia there, one of their big signings. Yeah, Locadia, it's it's expected. It's expected uh, according to Pat Brennan of the of the Inquirer. Shout out Pat Brennan. Locadia uh, is, is still trying to find his fitness. We're not sure if he will be starting this match. Obviously, he's the he's the main striker coming on loan. He's played for Huddersfield Town. He's played for Hoffenheim. He's played for, in the Bundesliga. He's played in the Premier League. He's the Dutch and Dutch guy who's come over and was supposed to be the big scorer for FC Cincinnati. Obviously, that hasn't really come to fruition. But they do have Luciano Acosta, who they brought back to MLS, who was a big factor of BC United a couple of years ago. 
during that Wayne Rooney era. Um, and he's back. He's back in MLS. SC Cincinnati signed him. So you now you have Luciano Acosta, who's so likely low. going to who's likely going to be your number 10. Then you've got Calvin Harris, as I mentioned. Uh, we, we're still unsure who's going to start in that. And then you've got Brenner as, as the number nine. And then out wide, there is a guy named Alvaro Barrial, who is another young player who FC Cincinnati is, is high on, who's likely going to be in that winger position, likely on that left wing. So, I think FC Cincinnati, there's definitely not, there's definitely going to be some pieces, but cohesion and chemistry, I think, is going to be a legitimate problem uh, for this team. FC Cincinnati, Montreal, first two matches. As we go into the month of May, you begin on the first weekend of May. You're on national television on ESPN against Inter Miami and Nissan. By the way, that will be the third matchup of four straight matchups at home. For Nashville SC, your home matchup finale of this stint will be against New England Revolution. I know that's probably going to be a snoozer due to Bruce Arena and Gary Smith tactics. Those are those are guys who played chess all of last season uh, in both matchups ending in a draw. But after you have a quick road trip to Real Salt Lake in mid-May, you have Austin FC on national television, Fox Sports 1, expansion team of 2020 versus expansion team of 2021. And then you've got Atlanta United at the end of the month. Although that's at home, you're going to go to New York Red Bulls. But then you've got Toronto FC on Juneteenth. And so you've got some, some pretty good matchups, right? I mean, these are not just marketing opportunities, but you've got a really strong New England Revolution team. I'm not going to sell so much on Inter-Miami, but they do have Phil Neville. Class of 92, Manchester United, Phil Neville, former England women's national team coach, Phil Neville, is now at the helm. You've got Kieran Gibbs, right? Former Arsenal, West Brom, and all the other clubs he's bounced around since then. You've got Ryan Shawcross, who was with Stoke and, and a plenty other English Premier League clubs and, and, and national team experience in his own right coming to enter Miami. Those are two players. You've you've got Lewis Morgan back, obviously. You've got Alejandro Oh, not Alejandro Pesuelo. You've got Rodolfo Pizarro, obviously back, and Gonzalo Higuain and Federico Higuain. And, uh, some of these other players that we saw in 2020, a lot of these players are going to return for 2021. So I'm not saying that that's going to be a very tough matchup for National C. I still think they get the win. But these are matches that National C supporters want to see. And Atlanta, for sure. Atlanta, Atlanta absolutely. Right. Atlanta, absolutely. Now, I must say, just to confirm, you don't get Atlanta in Nashville until July 8th. But these first couple of months of the 2021 season, there's some big matchups, some big matchups. Now, let's take a look at the schedule as a whole. And I think this is a point that we need to talk about, Nick. You have four matchups at home to begin the season and this clunky little setup where Again, you in in the month of September, you are likely on the road against Montreal September twelfth, likely on the road against Toronto on September eighteenth. Then you go to Miami and then go to to Chicago, and you don't get back to Nissan Stadium until September 29th against Orlando, and then you go back on the road 
for pretty much all of October. You only have one match in October out of six. October 3rd at New York Red Bulls. October 16th at DC United. Now you are at home against Columbus, but you go to Philadelphia on the 23rd. You go to Cincinnati on the 27th, and you go to Orlando on Halloween. And then you end this 2021 season at home against New York Red Bulls. Those are some pretty tough end of season matchups. And the question I have for you, Nick, is how vital is it for Nashville SC to get 10 points out of, let's say, the 12 in those first few matchups so that they can have that buffer once you get into the fall of this season? I don't know if 10 points is a fair threshold, but I think you have to get results in all four of these matchups. You know, given the fact that the, the we don't know necessarily what the, the fitness will be, um, you know, obviously, if you don't get a win right out of the shoot against FC Cincinnati, that really puts you behind the eight ball, not only for this season, but but compared to the rest of the league and probably I presume there won't be too many Eastern Conference playoff contending teams that lose too many points to FC Cincinnati. And that's, that's going to be probably most important to me just from the shoot from the start is, is to get three points there. And, you know, it's, it's not good. You know, obviously new England's not going to be an easy get. And we saw that last year when they came here, that this is an Eastern, this is an MLS cup, Eastern conference finalist. Yeah. That's the team that lost to Columbus crew. And this in the, the, the conference the week after, yes, the week after Nashville SC lost in, in extra time to, or no, in overtime to, Columbus crew crew went and beat new England revolution. So it, that's going to be difficult, but you got to think the first three matchups, you got to get at least two wins. And so if you get two wins there and at least a, a draw somewhere in there, somewhere else, seven points in the first four is a, is a, is a decent threshold. Um, and then getting another draw there. So two, you know, two wins, no losses and two draw and two draws. To give you eight points in four matches, that's that's a good start. And given that you know the rest of May doesn't look all that, you know, all that tough, um, we don't know what Austin's going to be like. Yeah, I think of all the teams in MLS who have had things to change, we're talking about an Austin team who many MLS insiders have not seen um, as a whole. Right. Given given the pandemic and yeah, preseason, that you're not allowed that you're not able to see people teams in preseason so that's kind of an outlier but you would think that going to salt lake going to atlanta and then going to red bulls you that those if you're going to be a team and you're going to see go to tennessee.com sports section go under the national sc section sometime later this week we'll have our mls predictions and our predictions for this game drake drake myself gentry estes our columnists at the tennessee and we will have all that but we all think that they're going to make the playoffs. Well, that will be a spoiler alert. We all think we're, the, the Nashville SC is going to make the playoffs. If you're going to do that, to me, it's not necessarily those first four matches, making sure you get 10 points. It's, it's making sure that you don't fall behind there, but also making sure that in places like at Salt Lake, at Atlanta, at Red Bulls, that you can get points out of those places. That's going to be, for me, a more important barometer for whether or not Nashville SC is going to be just a team that tries to get into seventh place or that might actually push for a top four, because given the fact that they don't concede many goals, I don't see a reason why given a a certain amount of goal output from Nashville SC 
that this team can't contend for one of those top four spaces in the well, Eastern Conference? I think there's two things here, Nick. I think is I want to I would love to hear is your theory here based off of what Nashville C is or could struggle to do, which is form, which is fitness, which is cohesion and chemistry, or is it more about their opponents? Because when I look at these first few matchups, and you've alluded to it in a way that I think is comparable to my theory, which I'm looking at Cincinnati. We've already previewed Cincinnati. We don't know what's going on with Montreal because, yes, Thierry Henry is no longer the coach there, so they've got a coaching change. Yes, they have Georgie Mihailovic, who just somehow appeared, um, and it was traded from, from Chicago Fire, but you know, we don't know what's going on with, with Montreal. Inter-Miami, we've already talked about Inter-Miami's personnel changes. And then, of course, New England Revolution is probably the, you know, is the clear-cut toughest opponent in those first four. But given the fact that when you're playing them and the personnel that you have and the consistency that Nashville C has, I don't think that it is a stretch to expect 10 points. Given that, as I presented earlier, once you get into October – we we don't know how strong New York City are. They going to be a 2019 NYCFC, where they just led the Eastern Conference, and yes, they lost um, prematurely in, in MLS Cup playoffs. But as far as regular season NYCFC is concerned, we don't know how strong they will be. And then, of course, DC United. I think along with Chicago and with LA Galaxy and with Austin, are the four most unpredictable teams, and I know MLS Soccer has, has, has written about this as well, are some of the most unpredictable teams in MLS in 2021. Then you've got Columbus, who I think is an Eastern Conference final finalist, if not returning to MLS Cup final. you got Philadelphia Union, who I actually think could surprise some people as far as an MLS Cup playoff run if they do it right, even though they lost Brendan Harrison. And then, yes, you have FC Cincinnati, but it's on the road and it's at the end of the season. You don't know about international duty and how that might affect form. You don't know about injuries. So we'll see. Then you have Orlando City, which is still a team that I don't think they're going to be as strong as they were in 2020. But I do think that they are a respectable opponent. And then you finish the season at well against Red Bulls at home. So it's I think those 10 points, although that is a that the very beginning and the very end of the season, there's a lot of stuff that can happen in between. And yes, you may be able to keep a one point average per match, but averaging more than two points per match in the first four, I think will help even you out once you get to the end of the season. Well, you're you're probably right there, but also uh, I think we get into this, into this thought process too much, maybe, you know, as, as a media landscape as a whole, especially for, the, the football and soccer media landscape, you're more or less looking at, well, okay, well, that team, that's going to be a win. That's going to be a win. That's going to be a win. You're not thinking more about situations and scenarios and putting the context behind why this may not be the win that you think it is. And that's what I think about here is that the, the fitness, we already talked about the questions about the number nine, and obviously there are questions about the number nine last year and, and really that entire, you know, keeping two the, different questions. Though. Those space. are two different concerns. No, I understand. I understand. <laughs> but like you had those concerns. It's not like, I think, I think you can't 
assume that they're just going to have success right off the bat just because they're at home against teams well, that aren't as as I'm not as assuming competitive. I'm not assuming, Nick. I'm I'm saying that that is the bar that would put Nashville C in the driving seat where but you to wouldn't the, need put to, the, to put the bar that high. I mean, FC Cincinnati, you put FC, all right, flip FC Cincinnati and Nashville C in this scenario. You're not going to say, well, FC Cincinnati should get 10 points here because they have four games at home against teams that they should be able to. Be well, you can't because they're one of the worst teams in MLS. No, that's what, so that I'm telling, I'm talking about that presumption, that assumption boosts that bar up to a point where maybe that's probably not acceptable. Not, I mean, but, it, maybe it's acceptable, but it, it's not a, a, a good way of thinking about it. I think that's, if they come out of here with one win, two losses, and a draw, where that's four points in four games, people won't be happy about that. But I yeah, don't it's think a failure. That that's going to be I – don't, I don't think it is. I think that's a failure. I, I think that's a I failure given that you – if you want to – we are including context here. Sure. Looking at all four of these opponents as individual matchups, let's talk it – let's break it down into categories. Consistency. As far as personnel, as far as, you know, solidity in your team. FC Cincinnati or Nashville? Nashville. Oh, absolutely Nashville. Well, pretty much, we don't even need to focus on FC Cincinnati because I think Nashville C is better in every category in that regard. Montreal, I think, is also Nashville is better in every category in that regard. Inter-Miami. Now, if you want to talk about... There's a question there. There, there There's a a question. question. There's a question mark there. But you are at home, Nashville. You are two games in, so and two games in at home. Yeah, you have probably some understanding on who you want to see at your number nine. Yes, it's only two matches in, but you've gotten two matchups to see who's going to play like what when they get on the field. Whether it be all four get on the field in those two matchups at some point, or maybe just two, or maybe only three, we don't know. But you are going to have some significant sample sizes going into that matchup. That is probably the only question. Going into this New England match now, I will say, as far as tactics are concerned, as far as uh, execution, I think New England could edge out Nashville in that category when you talk about taking care of their chances and when you talk about making sure that you're not making any silly mistakes. No bad passes, no passes leading into you know counterattacking goals. I think the Wingley could trump Nashville in that category. But in the rest of them, I think they're quite even keeled. So if we're taking a look at these matchups as individuals, not just as a, as a quartet bunch, I'm not saying that anything less than 10 points in four matches is a failure. Because that's that's a if you get 10 points in in in, in four matches. You are more than successful. You are in the driver's seat. You are in control. And that is probably one of the best starts in MLS that you will see. And that's what I'm saying is that that is the in a perfect world scenario. Now, what you said earlier about, let's say they get eight points, right? Let's say they get eight points. Let's say they win the first two. They and then they draw against against inter miami and new england yeah so they go they go unbeaten but they pick up two wins and two draws that's That's, a strong start that's that's straight that's fair i think that's the window though 
But and right. so what I'm saying is this is a best case scenario, 10 points. And again, I know I skipped all the way down to October, but we are talking about a very unpredictable Atlanta United. What's going to happen now that Joseph Martinez is back. I know they so don't have Pitti Martinez. Yeah. I, I know they don't have Pitti Martinez. I know that Ezekiel Barcos is trying to get situated. Um, Gabriel Hines is in his first season as, as coach of Atlanta United. But looking even at May and June, I mean, this isn't, this isn't, I'm not, I'm not overlooking all of these matchups in between. I'm just saying as we get later into this spring and this summer where you start having CONCACAF Gold Cup FIFA qualifying and go and 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 you know all of these other competitions that are going on. I mean, who knows what's gonna happen with US Open Cup? Who knows what's gonna happen? Because again, that's another thing. For US Open Cup, you have the top eight teams in MLS. So if you do get those 10 points by May 8th, because because MLS is taking those first four, those first four matches, and whoever is placed in the top eight of the 27 teams in MLS will qualify for US Open Cup. And for 10 points out of 10 points out of four, you're definitely going to be in the top 10. And so you're going to be in US Open Cup. And so yes, I'm I'm saying that. You need that to, to give yourself a buffer for what happens with those competitions. And, of course, the, the unavoidable knocks, injuries, fatigue at the end of the season. So I think you saw, I think you saw that towards the end of last season where sure, once, yeah. once, once, once we got to FC Dallas and Chicago Fire at the end of last season, it wasn't that National City was certainly not coasting. They wanted to make sure they got a playoff playoff uh, position, but they yeah. were in control. Even going into decision day, it seemed as if Nashville C was in control. They, they had form at the right time and they leaned on the guys who were doing well for them on top of Hani Mukhtar and John Cadiz coming in at the end of the match and getting not only giving them a draw, but they actually won that match, but they were all, they were doing well even before those two came on. Right including that questionable goal that Nani scored. So this is a Nashville schedule that, yes, fans are probably going to be confused as to why in the heck, once we get into September and October, are we hardly going to get any matches at home at Nissan Stadium? Now, you could throw in CMA Fest. You could throw in the Titans. You can throw in other such TSU football. You can throw in just anything you, you can possibly think of. But the reality is this is a schedule, and – you're going to have to be proactive. And I think this is what this is how you do it is to make sure that you absolutely hit that eight to 10 point window in the first four matches of the season. Three questions. I know we got to wrap up here. I have three questions for you, Drake Hills. Number one, now that we talked about this four game stretch so much, what is your prediction for the first four games? What's the record going to be after, after that game against New England? I'm going to stick with my my uh, my 10 points here. I believe that Nashville is going to beat Cincinnati. They're going to beat Montreal, and they're going to beat Inter-Miami. They're going to draw against New England. So they're going to get 10 points. Now, scores, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> I definitely would be willing to give you a 1-1 draw for New England. 
Now, I do think they score multiple goals against Cincinnati, and I think they score multiple goals against Montreal. More or less Cincinnati, though. Now, for season predictions, I'm going to say that Nashville in 20 – because, again, this is a different playoff scenario that there's no playing round for this year. So this is going to be a little bit different where if you get eighth or you get ninth, you're not making the playoffs. Nashville C hit seventh, so they would have made the playoffs anyway. But I think they're going to get seventh again. I think Nashville C are going to get seventh again. And they're going to qualify, and they're likely going to play. I, I believe it's going to be Columbus Crew again in round one of the MLS Cup playoffs 2021. What about you? Okay. And uh, so I'll say five points, one win, two lo- two draws, and a loss in that first four. I Who are they losing to? That, uh, are they losing I think to they'll lose to either. I think they'll lose to either Inner or New England, and just out of pure just one unluck, level, you know, unluck. They're, they're yeah, just unluck. You, you know, maybe they played. You know, I don't think they'll ever not. Uh, you know, with those four teams. I think it's more of a, a, a thought process about are they going to score right out of the gate? That's my concern is scoring right out of the gate. I think they will eventually get to a point where they're scoring in a, at, a, at a better rate than they were last year. But coming out, you know, coming out of the gate with less time and less preseason game setting time, less time with, with some of their main players um, in attack, that, that's where my concerns lie. Um, I do think that they're going to be sixth in the Eastern Conference, which means that they'll make the playoffs. Um, that that is that is something that I you know to me it was looking at how the strength of the Eastern Conference to not put them any further. I think that it's going to be difficult for teams like New York Red Bulls and Orlando City to even make the playoffs. So I think this is going to be a very competitive. Eastern Conference um, with Columbus and Philadelphia. And, you know, it, I presume Atlanta is not going to be as bad as they were last year. I, I, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. but They're, they're unpredictable, but I don't Atlanta have them making the playoffs. almost certainly can't be as bad as they were last year. I don't think they're going to be terrible. That's interesting. I think, I, I think I, they're I, on the I, bubble. I think they're on the bubble. I think they, they I think there are is a, for around seven to eight around that bubble. They could sink as, as low as nine, but I don't think. I think they're I think Atlanta United will probably hit eighth in the Eastern Conference this year. I think there's a I think there's a pathway for a lot of things for Atlanta United. So they're kind of the the, the X factor when it comes to the Eastern Conference. I could see them being a top two team, honestly. Top that, two that team requires, in 2021. That requires that requires a lot of cohesion and a lot of good managerial. Uh, competence that we haven't seen from the managerial chair at Atlanta Yikes. in a Keep couple in seasons, I would say. Without Joseph Martinez and a departing PT Martinez, Atlanta United finished 12th in the Eastern Conference last year. I think they're certainly better than Cincinnati. They're better than Chicago. They're better than Miami, or could be. We'll see. They're better. They're <laughs> for sure. They're for sure better than Cincinnati. Better than Chicago. Better than Montreal. But I don't know if they're better than Miami and DC United, um, Nashville, and Nashville, uh, because I think I think New so, England, I think New but, England, New England are going to make the playoffs. I think, I think they're going to be sixth or seventh. 
I think yeah. they're going to jost- – they and Red Bulls are going to jostle with I Nashville think- for those final sixth and seventh spots. Um, I think Atlanta are going to are going to hit eighth. I'm just I'm that's I'm going to stick with that prediction. I think, I think that- there's a possibility that Joseph Martinez returns. I think there's a possibility that Joseph Martinez returns becomes a a player of the year candidate, and that wow. that's what my thought process is. Wow, is you are you are that you he's going to be fired up and ready to produce at the rates that we've seen him produce at before, and. And there will be help for him, help from him there to do that, and uh, maybe that the the managerial decision, uh, um, notwithstanding, we'll see how that works yeah. out for Atlanta United. Gabriel I, Hines. I don't know how that how that plays into, but yeah, it, it it could be could be good. It could be bad. We know the last couple have not been the best options for the yeah. club. But what is your thought? So that was my third question. MLS Player of the Year, MLS MVP. What do you think? I mean, I would like to see how good Alan Pulido actually is without injuries. Without injuries, without, you know, pretend he, he, will he be in Mexico's Gold Cup squad? I don't know. But is that going to be motivation for him this year? Possibly. And I think Alan Pulido is is a talented young number nine. And I would have him on my list. Obviously, I think the return of Carlos Vela in 2021 without lots of injury issues there. So that's another. Um, Joseph Martinez, I mean, we'll see. I, I, cannot, I cannot talk about a guy who tore his ACL against Nashville in February of 2020 and how he's going to do without playing a match until – this weekend 13 and a half months he, he's had 13 and a half months to rehab it match fitness where they're getting close to being fitness wise yeah at a spot where he can produce a 45 50 minute stretch yeah we'll see i would say my dark horse candidate is alan polito but i definitely think carlos vela i think um you know alejandro pozuelo i think is going to have another another good year um Look out for look out for Darlington Nagby. Out of all the people in Columbus, Darlington Nagby. I mean, If you want, if you want goals, if you want to stick with goals and assists, I think Zellerion obviously. But I just think that one of the better performers could be Darlington Nagby. So those are those are my those are my candidates. Well, the the you know I, I think Carlos Vela, Vela is going to be like that if he is healthy and fit throughout most of the year. It's hard, hard to say it's not him, right? Right, and like that's why I said that's why I said my that's yeah. why I said my dark horse is going to be Alan Polito because my prediction is that whether it's U.S. Open Cup or potentially even MLS Cup. I think Sporting Kansas yeah. City is your dark horse candidate. I think they're a supporter shield winner. That's good. That's my most. That's that's my my most confident. And Alan Polito would have to have an import, a big part of that for sure. Yeah. So I think uh, my my dark horse is Raul Ruiz. Um, is my dark horse. I think he has one more. Seattle Sounders are still kicking, huh? Than him. Yeah, I know he was having some issues in getting back um, to you know to Seattle. I think that's been solved over the last week or so 
So I know that that, that might that might give him a first, you know the first couple of weeks might be a little bumpy for him in terms of quality and production. But uh, Seattle Sounders, I feel like, are gonna you know after being so close last year mm-hmm. to to getting trophies, I think this is gonna be an interesting season for them. And I think Raul Ruiz will be a big part of what they do. They're not going to have Jordan Morris, of course. So that's going to be an interesting dynamic to that entire, you know, that attack. But Raul Ruiz Diaz was really good last year. I think there's a possibility that he is almost, you know, just as good, if not even better next year or this year, I guess, coming up here. Well, Nick Gray, that's going to wrap Trey it Hills? up. That's, that's an episode, wasn't it? Yeah, that was a good episode. But we're going to wrap it up. And I think, you know, it's important for our listeners to know we have overcome some adversity already because this is the second time we've recorded this episode and we had pretty much the same stuff. We're not going to try to sell you, but th- this is a pretty good stuff. And again, we're going to have a lot more once we actually see National C play in 2021 because we have not, thanks to a very uh, quiet preseason for Nashville C. This is episode one of season two, and we're going to have a lot more coming forward this season. Please, we want to start a mailbag. So email me, capital D, yes. capital H, lowercase i-l-l-s, at gannett, G-A-N-N-E-T-T dot com. Or send me a mailbag question on Twitter, at Live Life Drake, and follow me on Instagram, at Drake Hill Soccer. As I mentioned on that episode that will no longer see the light of day. We are actually going to implement a lot more Instagram coverage, conversations with players, match day coverage, even during the week, doing some more enterprise work and some more social work. So follow me on Instagram at Drake Hill soccer. And of course the Tennessee sports Instagram page as well. We want to hear from you. We want to have a mailbag, but it starts with you, the listeners, the supporters, the audience, So follow your boy, hit me up. This is Plugged In, Episode 1, Season 2 of Nashville Soccer Podcast. See you next time.